Welcome back to another edition of the Cats Illustrated podcast, everybody. I always appreciate you listening. I'm your, your host and publisher, Justin Rowland, and I'm joined again, uh, as I have been frequently this year, by Jeff Drummond, our managing editor, photographer. He's been covering Kentucky on the ground at all the media availabilities. He was there once again on Saturday as Kentucky stretched their record to 3-0 and with a convincing if, uh, if it wasn't always beautiful, but a convincing, especially in the second half, 48-10 win against Murray State. Jeff, how are you doing? Doing well, Justin. Uh, just uh, kind of hard to believe that we're already three games deep into this season and, and looking at game four. We were talking about that a little bit yesterday at the Monday press lunch and that it seems like you wait and wait and wait for the, the season to get here, and then if you blink, it, it goes by you, so... It's a fun time with a big game like Mississippi State coming up, but kind of hard to believe that we're a third of the way through this season already. I know it, and, and un, you know, unfortunately, we're a quarter of the way through the season. This season does fly by, but I think there aren't a whole lot more off weeks. I'm not talking about bye weeks. I'm talking about Murray State week, Central Michigan weeks. It's it's really going to heat up right now. Uh, Jeff, what what did you think about the? Uh, the Kentucky Murray State game. You know, when I went back and I watched the game, I, I didn't think the offensive line played with the same edge that it brought to Florida. That would have been a tall order. I mean, I thought they were right for a little bit of a letdown, but that line was phenomenal against Florida. I thought they made some mistakes and didn't quite get the push that they did um, against Florida this past weekend against Murray State. But really, their depth. And Mark Stoops said this after the game: their depth just wore the racers down. What was your What was your takeaway from that? 38-point win. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a pretty fair take on the situation. Early in that game, I think all of us were saying, uh-oh, here, you know, there was a sense of here we go again with not being ready against the, the level of competition. But I, I think they took care of business, um, you know, once they got past some things in the first half that kind of slowed them down a little bit. It was good to see them kind of stay on the gas and keep building to that lead and and adding to it. Even though they were using a lot of reserve players in the second half, they were able to play some add-on and and avoid some of these close games like they've had uh, against OBC schools in the past. Did anybody really impress you as you watched the game live or as you've had a chance to look over the numbers or reflect on what you saw? I don't know if you've watched it again, but anybody in particular for Kentucky impress you against Murray State? Well, I, I thought Terry Wilson it continues to grow in, in what he does, and, and I'm, I'm very impressed with him. I like what uh, Lim Bowden has done as a, a wide receiver. I think his game just keeps on developing and trending in the right direction to where he looks like he's he's really settled into that role now. Um, overall, the defense, uh, I have a chance from my spot on the field uh, shooting pictures of the games to really isolate on some guys at times that maybe the TV camera doesn't pick up on. And I I think Lonnie Johnson's doing some really cool things this year over on, on the corner. I think he's playing extremely well. And uh, saw some good things from the guys on, on the D-line. You know, uh, Mark McCall's a guy that, that keeps getting some mentions for his play, even though it's in an extremely limited amount now because he just needs to get – in better shape and better conditioning. But, man, those five, six, seven plays that he does give you, he looks like a, a dominant defensive tackle. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll make a couple of points on those guys you mentioned. McCall, I watched the game again earlier today, and he was just, I mean, he was blowing guys into the backfield. And on that strip that he had, he had pushed the pocket fo- so far up. I thought he was going to run past the play, but he still managed to get his left arm up and to just rip it away from the quarterback. And then he, start, he started kind of celebrating instead of going after the ball. But uh, but he he's looked phenomenal. That that depth at nose looks better with Debose and Bohanna uh, and McCall than it has in quite some time. Lonnie Johnson, I thought Florida tried to pick on him early in that game, and he wasn't having any of it. I mean, he's clearly Kentucky's second best cornerback. Maybe by the end of the season, their best cornerback. And Bowden, just looking at the numbers, last year, 17 catches, 210 yards, zero touchdowns. In the last two weeks alone, 12 catches, 170 yards, and a touchdown, and he's doing it all. I mean, he's he's stretching the field down the sideline now. He's he's running under the ball on some deep throws. He's making things happen, using his blocking on the outside. So I'm with you. I thought those guys uh, definitely looked really good. Um, I thought Murray State did a good job defending Benny Snell. Um, they, they tackled him low. And they kept him from running all over them. But, you know, Snell's going to have to play one of his best games as a Kentucky player for the Cats to have a chance as an 11-point underdog against Mississippi State. First off, that spread. What do you make of 11 points in Mississippi State's favor? Does that surprise you, or is it about what you would have expected? Yeah, it, it feels a little bit large for a Kentucky team that's playing well and being at home. So basically... You know, they're telling us that they feel like Mississippi State's two touchdowns better uh, than Kentucky. And I, I don't know if I would go that far, even though I would admit out of all the teams I have watched so far this season, and I specifically went out of my way to watch State play a couple times, they've impressed me as much as anybody. And, you know, that that's including Bama, who has looked like same old Bama <laughs> and a fantastic team. I think these guys are going to be in the hunt this year throughout uh, the defense the defensive front just blows you away when you watch them play and it's it's got me excited for this matchup because we all know how good the Kentucky offensive line can play when it brings its A game and I think going up against this defensive front for Mississippi State is going to challenge these guys and have them uh, playing with some intensity maybe even more than we saw down at the swamp against Florida yeah, I, Mississippi State has definitely looked dominant. I don't. I mean, it's just so early in the season. We don't have much of a sample. I picked. I picked Mississippi State to finish second in the West ahead of Auburn, just because that defensive line is so good. And I, I felt like Moorhead coming from Penn State with the work he did with the offense up there and his credentials as an offensive coach. I, what I've said is, I don't know how it's going to work out long term with him. The thing that made it kind of a curious hire was it feels like if like one of those big 10 jobs opens up it might be tough to keep him around kind of like when Oregon hired Willie Taggart it seemed like a kind of an odd fit in terms of you know geographically where their history was um but in terms of stepping in and winning with a good quarterback and a and a mature physical team right away is a really good situation for uh, a coach like that. But they played Stephen F. Austin. They played Kansas State. They've played Lafayette. And it'll be interesting to see how they respond if Kentucky matches them toe-to-toe and they punch them in the mouth once or twice on the road because they ha- they haven't seen that this year. For me, 
the question is, you know, I think Kentucky's offensive line can do enough to score some points. Um, it, for me, it's on the other side. The one unit that I still think has the most to answer in this game is Kentucky's defense. How do you think Kentucky in the box matches up with the physicality of that Mississippi State inside run game? What do you think about that matchup? Well, it's a great test, and, and we all know what a challenge it's been the last couple of years for Kentucky against uh, that offense, which is basically the same as, as Dan Mullen was running with Nick Fitzgerald and, and that guy in particular, you know, we're talking about a quarterback who's had two straight 100 yard rushing games yeah. against Kentucky and uh, something like four rushing touchdowns, six touchdowns overall. So he's, he's a guy that really concerns you. And the, the thing that Mark Stoops talked about yesterday and the point he hammered through was he forces you to play a numbers game because he's got to be accounted for on every single snap. And that a lot of teams that Kentucky will play this year, that's not the case. And that allows you extra defensive man to, to put in an area of need, you know, to combat something else. But you can't do that with State because you got to have a guy assigned to him at all times. And uh, it's just a, a really tough matchup for the defense. Now, I'm looking at what State's done so far and I looked at the national stats earlier today. I don't think either Kansas State or Louisiana Lafayette um, or uh, who was the other opponent? Is it uh, Stephen F. Austin? Yeah, yep. None of those have been fared well against anybody in the ground game. So it's kind of hard to get a gauge on exactly where they are. Uh, but we do know from the past performance, historically, uh, they've been pretty good against UK, so it's a measuring stick uh, to see where the cats are in, in the terms of defensive improvement. You know, Kentucky played, I thought they went into Starkville pretty poised last year. In Mississippi State, if I recall, they marched right down the field for a touchdown, but then the game kind of stabilized. Kentucky got a couple of stops midway through the second quarter, Um Kentucky went down the field. They scored a touchdown. It was kind of a bizarre, a bizarre play. Stephen Johnson fumbled. Blake Bone recovered the ball in the end zone for a touchdown. Um, and Kentucky got a little bit creative. But as we've seen a number of times in the Mark Stoops era, Kentucky kind of uh, the wheels came off towards the end of the first half. Mississippi State went down, got a field goal. Probably should have been a touchdown. Uh, he, he ripped off another big run for, for a touchdown, and they scored 10 points the last three or four minutes of the half. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Kentucky responds in this game. But I think I think the, the one variable that I don't think a lot of people are accounting for is, like, Terry Wilson has, has really been pretty phenomenal the last two weeks. Like, if we look at his overall numbers, the first half against Central Michigan, it was a debacle. And... But, but if you take the last two games, Florida and Murray State, Terry Wilson has played an extremely high level. Really, the only negative thing that we can say is he missed some, some deep balls against Murray State. He overthrew Dorian Baker on one kind of double move go route. He overthrew Epps on another one that was pretty much the same thing. He over he, he kind of lofted one up for Bowden. But what, what have you seen from Terry Wilson I thought they were trying to force him to, to mature as a pocket passer in this last game, um, 
and not just take off and run. What what have you made of his improvement so far? Right. Well, the big thing that jumps out at you is when you look at his completion percentage. Yeah. And that was a everybody was focused on that going into the season. If he was going to be the starter, would accuracy be an issue? And uh, you know, you heard even people were suggesting. Kentucky's going to have a hard time winning with a guy that's only completing 50, 55% of his passes. But you look up after three games, and this guy's at 70%. And it's not like he's out there dinking and dunking the whole game. He's, he's thrown some nice uh, intermediate and, and at times, you know, throwing the ball really well deep. Uh, hasn't quite gotten that, that chemistry and timing down with the receivers yet, like you uh, talked about. But the fact that he's uh, looking at it here, 41 out of 59 on the season, that's way better than I ever would have anticipated uh, when we were back at fall camp. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, he's not short-hopping throws on the run. He's not throwing it over receivers. He's get, he's getting these outs down. Um, I mean, I, I thought they were very conservative in some respects to start the season with him, but he's been throwing the ball to different spots on the field and it's been, it's been pretty impressive to watch. Um, I, I think almost think that uh, Kentucky's offensive line which struggle a little bit against Murray state. Some of the issue was the Murray state defensive linemen were, uh, were smaller. And I think Kentucky's offensive tackles had trouble kind of getting their hands on them, engaging them. They moved their feet, it looked like, but they had trouble uh, matching up with kind of their undersized quick look. So Mississippi State's going to present a, uh, a different challenge altogether. This is, uh, I, I mean, I think you could argue that Mississippi State's defensive line, along with maybe Georgia's receivers or some, something else like that, Missouri's receivers, pass catchers, it might be the best unit Kentucky faces all season. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I, I definitely do. I, if they face anybody better up front than State, I'm going to have to see it and, to believe it. And I would, I would throw, you know, Georgia into that equation. And should Kentucky play somebody really good in the bowl game, I don't think they're going to be able to match what uh, State brings to the table. Um, in, in terms of uh, Jeffrey Simmons, you know, everybody knows preseason All-American and, and, and playing up to that hype that he had when he was recruited by everybody in the world uh, coming out of high school. Uh, you know, you've got Jerry Green uh, over there who seems like he's played forever uh, on that defensive front. And, and then a guy like Sweat, um, I believe it's Montez Sweat. Yep. Who, uh, who's just wreaking havoc in these first games, making all kinds of plays in, in the backfield uh, against teams. So there's not really a guy that you can even focus on. And, and uh, you like to say sometimes, well, we give extra attention to this guy. we got to take him out. If you do that with State, one of those other guys is going to kill you. What do you make of – I want to talk about the fans for a second, and people react to this differently. The people who show up. They seem like they're angry at the people who don't show up, but at the same time, when we point out that people aren't showing up, they get kind of indignant about it. So it's kind of a thing where some fans, like, they can criticize their fellow fans, but they don't want people in the media to. And I get that. That's kind of the way we are about everything. It's like family. Um, but what do you make of Kentucky beating Florida and having a hard time as a 3-0 and team selling out a common or a Kroger Field that's reduced in capacity. I mean, how how what kind of look is that, and how surprised are you by it? 
Well, somewhat surprised, somewhat expected in other ways. I think UK had some factors working against it on Saturday, especially at noon kickoff, which traditionally has been really troublesome uh, for Kentucky. And I I assume a lot of other places. Uh, It's just the stress that puts on people, especially from across the state, uh, folks who, you know, have to drive maybe three hours or more to get to the games. It really wrecks your tailgating fun. Yeah. And, you know, the, the at-home experience, we've, we've talked about that <laughs> incessantly about how much better that's gotten with HDTV and these monster TVs that seem people are basically giving away these days <clears throat> price-wise. But this is a... This is a test, I think, for the fan base coming up this one because you've got a night game. Uh, you've got a really good Mississippi State squad that presents a good challenge to the Cats. It's um, a 3-0 and Kentucky team. If, if you can't fill that place up for this one, I, I think you've got some serious problems and you've got to go take a look in the mirror as a fan base if you really care enough about football. I think that's totally fair. I mean, they've definitely invested at this point, and I could I could see why the fans had been burned several times. The Auburn night game a few years ago, the Florida night game that was like fourteen and nine, the Tennessee night game that kind of spiraled out of control. People get tired of getting up to be in their in their minds let down. But I don't think there's any excuse after breaking the streak, having a guy like Benny Snell on the team so early in the season, undefeated, a top twenty team come to town. And, you know, Terry Wilson is making this game a lot more exciting to watch for Kentucky fans. I mean, he's the biggest talent in my mind, at least at the college level, um, that Kentucky's had in a very long time. It certainly would not be a good look if, if they can't fill this out. Um, as far as the, how should the fans view this game? I kind of sense that some people are doing this again, where there's so much anticipation on the part of some people that, like, if they lose... They're gonna. It's gonna be. Well, we had an opportunity and we blew it again. And I think that. I don't. I just think that's so off base. I mean, they've already accomplished a lot this season, winning in the swamp. Nobody thinks they're gonna win the national championship, anyways. This is not a divisional opponent. I mean, it's certainly a great opportunity. And if you win it, then it's like, whoa. I mean, our team is a lot better than we thought. A fan would have to think. But I mean, let's say Mississippi State goes into Kroger and they win you know, 42 to 28, that doesn't ruin your season. I mean, you've still got a, a heck of a lot of big games left, correct? Absolutely. And I, I think this coaching staff in particular has proven time and time again in the past that a setback that, that may at the time be deeply disappointing and, and feel like it's the start of something that's going to spiral out of control isn't always the case. You know, they've shown remarkable resiliency to, to bounce back from some tough losses and games they thought they should have won. I mean, last year after that Florida debacle, you know, you would have thought the world was coming to the end, but they got it together and, and then put together a, a nice, solid all-around season. So, no, I don't think people should, should put too much into this game as to where if they, if they lose it even – you know, by a couple of touchdowns, like is, is predicted, it, it's not going to be such a big deal. You got to get yourself back up for a, a huge game the following week when South Carolina comes in. That that game, in the grand scheme of things, means a whole lot more 
than this one. But ideally, uh, you'd like to defend home turf and, <laughs> and throw both of those into the wind column. If you could do that, then you can start having some serious discussions about uh, ending this streak of, of, you know, not breaking the 500 mark in SEC play going back to 77. So if you're looking at these next three games, how are you ranking them in terms of in order of difficulty, my gut instinct would would be the South Carolina game is the most winnable. I mean, they could be a very yeah. very good team, but you know they looked like a pretty typical South Carolina team against Georgia. You know, good, but yeah, no, yeah. no disrespect to them at all. It's a it's a good solid team, and they're probably going to be a good battle when they come in here. But the other two, you, we're talking about Mississippi State, who I think at number 14, maybe even underrated, yeah. you know, underrated <laughs> now. And then a trip to Texas A&M, which is a tough place to play. And, uh, you know, a road game and a, a great environment. And I don't know as much about that team as, as some of the others, you know, just some basics. But, you know, I do know that they're they're doing some good things with, with Jimbo there and, and the excitement level has gone up significantly. So that one, even though I don't think that's as good a team as Mississippi State, I think might be the hardest of the three to win. I mean, I tell me if I'm wrong, and if you disagree, that's fine. I feel like if Mississippi State were in the Big Ten West, we'd be talking about them as like a leading playoff contender. I mean, I, I, I think the only reason why we're not talking about Mississippi State in the same conversation as maybe like a Stanford or, I mean, I'm coming up with, with a blank here, but I mean, when I think of like leading playoff contenders, I'm thinking like Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson. I think Mississippi State would be right there behind them if, if we didn't look at their schedule and say, well, they got to play Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M, LSU. I mean, is, am I thinking too highly of them? Uh, not at all. I mean, I, I think in any other conference, they'd probably be in the discussion uh, for some of that national dark horse, you know, <laughs> recognition, but people, you know, fair or unfair, you know, look at their schedule and say, ah, that's going to be too much for them to navigate. And, you know, you got to think at some point they probably do slip up against uh, somebody that, that otherwise you would expect them to beat. But, uh, you know, I look at their schedule now, they've got to go to LSU and to Alabama. And, <laughs> To come out of that, you know, with a win in either one of those would be pretty impressive. Uh, to come out with two losses would probably be the norm. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule last year, just refreshing my memory. And, I mean, they had a horrible two-week stretch early in the season when they got pounded on by Georgia and Auburn. And I don't think that they're as bad as they showed in those games. I'm, I'm inclined to think that the wheels just kind of came off because both of them were on the road. And then, you know, at the end of the season, they, they lost a close one to Alabama. They might should have won that game. They uh, they lost, you know, a head-scratcher to Ole Miss, and I think Fitzgerald might have been out for that game. And then they beat Louisville without Fitzgerald in the bowl game. So, I mean, I, when I'm looking for a formula on how to beat this team – the only thing I'm coming up with is Terry Wilson has got to have a really good game. And the good news is, when you've got Terry Wilson and Benny Snell back there and the offensive line's clicking and Lynn Bowden is making the strides that he's making, in spite of Mississippi State's talent up front, I think Kentucky can score some points in this game. What, what do you think they have to yeah. do? Any keys to the game for you? Yeah, I, I, 
do too. And it's interesting that you mentioned kind of building up to that, the, the struggle they had against Auburn last year. A friend of mine in, in the business who really gets into a lot of film study and, and delves deep into the X's and O's uh, told me to watch in this one to see if Eddie Grand goes with some tempo mm. in this one because that's been something that, that has given the state defense – uh, a little bit of a challenge at times the last two or three years. And that when when the opponent picked things up and got on the move, they weren't nearly as effective as when they got to, you know, settle in and, and dictate on, on the defensive side of the ball. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if Eddie has seen some of that too and, and tries to keep them on their heels a bit. If Kentucky beats Mississippi State, where do you think where do you think the Cats would debut in the top twenty five? I mean, that's four wins at Florida, Mississippi State. You know, that, that's a lot to ask to win this game as an eleven point underdog. But got to think they would make a pretty significant rise. Yeah, I would think they'd maybe come in somewhere around twenty, uh, twenty twenty one, uh, something like that. It, it's it's hard to to go much further than that unless a lot of people slip up this week and you just have chaos in the polls. But uh, to date. The people seem to be a little skeptical about the Cats so far. You know, they think they're pretty good. They think they're improved, but they, they don't know for sure because of that uh, Florida team that everybody's kind of got in the same boat as, as Kentucky. Nobody's really sure what to make of either one of those squads at this point. I'm with you on that. Jeff, good stuff as always. Thanks, man. Have a good day. All right. Thanks, Justin. That was Jeff Drummond, our uh, managing editor at Cats Illustrated, and he does a phenomenal job. I'm with him. I mean, I think this is a tall order. And, I, you know, it's not my job to talk fans off the ledge or to talk fans, you know, out of enthusiasm. I will say this. Mississippi State is a very good team, and Kentucky is going to have to play probably even better than they played in the Swamp to win. I think if they play at that same level, they're going to have a, a good shot. Um I think Terry Wilson is a big wild card because he has played at a very high level these last couple of weeks. He handled the speed and the athleticism of Florida's defensive line, the pass rush, very well. If he has good pocket presence against Mississippi State, I think he could rip off some big runs on the ground. I'm not going to give my pick for this game yet. I will say that I'm I'm inclined to say that Mississippi State wins the game as the better team, but I, I mean... I think Kentucky has a real chance, and I think 11 points is is a lot on the road. It just has the feel of one of those games where Mississippi State's been running over around through everybody they've played. If this gets to be a game in the third quarter, and you've got Cash Daniel on the sideline on the field whipping everybody up in, into a frenzy in that huddle, and you've got the crowd getting into it, a night game, Benny Snell starts to, to wear and tear on that defense a little bit. I could see Kentucky... Pulling off an upset. I'm not going to give my prediction as of yet. One final note on on the recruiting side, Isaiah Gibson of Springfield, Ohio, is set to make his decision tomorrow. I will say I haven't checked in the last couple of days from sources, but I had been hearing that they were optimistic. Um, It's between Kentucky, Purdue, and Wisconsin. Certainly doesn't hurt that Kentucky started 3-0, Purdue started 0-3. Um, I did ask somebody not long ago whether Wisconsin or, or Purdue was more of a viable contender or more of K- Kentucky's competition, and they said they didn't know. They thought that all three 
uh, had really genuinely impressed him, but they still felt like Kentucky was going to get him. And I'll also say that a few weeks ago, probably two or three months ago, actually, I was when, when the recruiting forecast didn't look nearly this good, I was asking around, and pretty much the, the consensus opinion I got was, Isaiah Gibson's coming to Kentucky. He's going to Kentucky is what people were strongly implying. And, and it made me think at the time that it was almost pretty much a silent commitment, but nobody said that. So it'll be interesting to watch tomorrow. Could be another big piece to the puzzle, another interior defensive lineman. It appears Kentucky's recruiting those guys pretty well because to date that defensive line is looking as good uh, with as much young talent as Kentucky fans have probably seen in quite some time. We will try to get another one of these up later on this week, probably try to get uh, David Sisk on for a basketball recruiting podcast. Always appreciate you listening. Please check us out, listen, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, spread the word, and we will see you at the site. Uh, if you're not a subscriber at Cats Illustrated, still have an offer for you going on, 50% off a new annual subscription, 50% off a new annual subscription. Check it out. The link and the promo code are on the front page banner at the top of the site. Thanks a lot. Hope you guys have a great week.